It's portal season, baby. Brandon Carroll from All Gators is joining us to talk about both football and basketball and the moves that these teams are making. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is Brandon Carroll. You've seen him before from All Gators. And don't worry, uh, he's the Brandon that doesn't suck in this one. Um, but we're talking football and basketball. We're going to start with football because it, it's portal season. The spring game just wrapped up last week. And we have to talk about this. At this point in time, what do you think of the quarterback battle in Gainesville through the spring? Well, yeah, I think... Everyone wants to kind of look at the spring game and say, oh, this is where the guy's really going to emerge. And I just don't think that's the case. I think it's becoming less and less the case as spring games continue to advance into the future. Uh, and I just don't think we really learned much at all from Florida's spring game. That's for sure. Uh, I think that both guys are relatively on an even playing field. Obviously, they brought in Graham Mertz to be the starter, but Jack Miller's also kind of kept at that level with him for better or for worse. And so I think that it's just going to be a battle going into the summer and we might not even find out who's the starter until we get into fall camp. So it should be a interesting battle to say the least here uh, to figure out which quarterback will be uh, Florida's starter in 2023. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing I took from the spring game, as far as quarterbacks go, is like them adjusting to the pressure. And that was kind of all you could do because it, it was just constant. So I was like, okay, they adjusted great. But I am going to put you on the spot a little bit here, and I'm going to say if you're Billy Napier, obviously at this point in time, we don't know. Who would you start? That's a tough question. Uh, there's there's a lot that goes into that. I think at the end of the day, I think you between the two, I think their skill sets are relatively the same. I think you have to go with who's more experienced, which is Graham Mertz. And like you said, pressure was a big issue for both quarterbacks in the spring game. Mertz honestly struggled with pressure at Wisconsin. He had one of the highest pressure rates of all quarterbacks in the NCAA in general. But I think that a big thing with this team should be that the offensive line, they were missing two starters uh, going forward. There's a potential that they bring in more uh, pieces on the offensive line for uh, you know, the season. And so I think that really you're looking at which guy can manage the game at a high, high like at a, the highest level. And there isn't much to say that, you know, Mertz can't do so uh, from a structural standpoint. Obviously there's uh, a talent lapses at times and things like that, but he has to be the one that his, you know, he's standing above the pack at this point, but it's not a wide margin at all. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned potential to bring in more along the offensive line. Gators currently have seven scholarships available, four are about to be taken up by high school enrollees. So three scholarship spots available. If you were this coaching staff, who or what positions would you prioritize in this second portal window? For sure. I think that the biggest thing you want to look at are positions uh, that you think need to need improvement. Obviously, I think you have to look at places like uh, offensive tackle. Obviously, Austin Barber solidified, you know, and then there's the two that they brought in in the spring. However, you don't have much flexibility there. There's all you know, you have your guys set out and they're kind of there to stay. 
Um, but you do want to bring in some youthful pieces there and kind of develop them for the future. I think they bring in at least one, maybe two offensive tackles. And then obviously you want to look at a position like wide receiver, bring in another guy with speed, or you look across the field and uh, it's at the nickel cornerback. I think obviously, you know, I think I personally am high on Sharif Denson. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to go this season. I think moving Jaden Hill there will also have, you know, some experience uh, help, but, and then Jadarius Perkins obviously occupies the spot, but there's not really a solidified starter there yet. And so if you can find a guy that can fill that spot and also help out in the back end with the safeties, cause that's a young unit as well and kind of be a person that they can move in between those two spots uh, with, you know, flexibility and versatility. I think that's the really the spots that you want to look at for Florida to bring in pieces this summer and, you know, in this spring portal window, I should say. Yeah. Um, didn't say quarterback, which for most Florida Gators fans, I think they're just going straight to it. But my stance, I, I don't think you're going to find someone that can step in and become a starter by, by this fall in the portal. But Billy Napier has said he wants to add a quarterback to the room. If it's not in the portal, I have to ask what your thoughts are on the, the next best thing, which is obviously Austin Simmons' potential reclassification. Yeah, I don't think he has any that his arrival will have many implications on this upcoming year, but like, you know, I think I just don't imagine them going back into the portal for another quarterback this year. Obviously they've kind of, I mean, there's still potential out there, but it seems like they've hit and miss or swung and miss on two of the portal takes that they've had at the spot this far. And Austin Simmons is a bright young talent. I mean, he's 17 years old. He's been graduated from high school for two years. So it's not like he's going to come in and be, you know, the, sophomore that everyone expects him to be like sophomore in high school i should say because he's only a 2025 kid but uh i'm not sure if he's going to be ready to go uh anytime this season so he's more of a you know we can push it down the line maybe have a competition with dj lagway going into next season we'll kind of uh, work our way from there but it definitely helps florida going forward but i'm not sure how much his addition will be beneficial or you know really aid what Florida's looking at at the quarterback spot this upcoming season. That's exactly why I'm against it. Um, it also does, it, it'll never cease to amaze me that he's 17, graduated high school two years ago. And he's like, yeah, you know, if I get on campus in 2025, I'll be pursuing my PhD and I barely graduated high school. So that, that to me is just bonkers. Hey, Hey, you, Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real, and it's something that you 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 won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. But don't, don't, don't. Just, just know, I'm just telling you this. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. I'm stoked for it, but make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll get 15% off your order with Built or BuiltBar.com. But flipping to basketball, where we also just had a first-year head coach, at least with the University of Florida, we had you on before the season. What were your thoughts on Todd Golden's first season as head coach, especially compared to the expectations that you had going into it? Yeah, well, I... I initially went in thinking that the roster he assembled was going to be something that put them in a position to win. Obviously that wasn't the case. 
Uh, I think a lot of guys underperformed. He was kind of handed a guy like Kowasi Reeves who underperformed. He brought in guys like Kyle Lofton, Trey Bonham, and they underperformed. Uh, obviously, Alex Fudge underperformed. It was just like a a full underperformance of everybody not named Riley Kugel or Colin Castleton. I mean, Will Richard stepped up towards the end of the season, started to show the promise that really everyone expected from him, resulted in you know him being a key piece going into this next season. But I was surprised, honestly, just at how you know uh, poor the the play was at times. But I don't necessarily discredit you know what the progression we saw from a guy like Riley Kugel who stepped in late and they were able to get up to speed pretty quickly. And he became the face of the franchise there at the end of the season. And, you know, is obviously going to be that going into next season. But I would say that it set a foundation that, you know, they, they understand what they need to fix. And there were also good points. The defense was good throughout most of the season. Uh, and and I say good, it was really elite throughout most of the season. And then, you know, they just struggled to score the basketball and really a lot of that came because of the inability in the backcourt to really get a bucket, whether it came from a three-point shot or getting to the bucket in general. So it'll be interesting to see going into next season how they uh, dev- you know, adapt to the SEC play. But I'm not sold on you know Golden being a bust or anything like that, as a lot of fans are, uh, as I've seen in my mentions throughout the season. So it should be an interesting uh, upcoming slate for Florida Gators basketball. Yeah, I think that for anybody that's going, oh yeah, Billy Napier or Todd Golden, just not it. Um, little little bit premature there. But you mentioned the underwhelming performances, like they underperformed. Does that maybe make you question a little bit the evaluation process that went into last year building this roster? A little bit, but it's not to the point where I'm like, oh no, they can't evaluate talent. It was, I think more so it's it's always an adjustment period for a, a head coach coming from obviously San Francisco to Florida. I think he grabbed Kyle Lofton believing that he was going to be a dynamic guard that could translate what he did at St. Bonaventure to Florida. He was an uber productive guard at St. Bonaventure was, you know, one of the most played players of any player in the past five seasons in college basketball. If not, I think he might've played the most minutes of any guy in college basketball over the past five seasons. So like he, had the experience and had the ability to kind of manage the game the way Todd Golden wanted. But I don't think he had the ability to score off the dribble or facilitate in a consistent manner that everyone expected for him from the coaching staff. So he's mainly the one that I was concerned about. And then they took a risk on just getting athletic talent, like obviously Trey Bonham, who was highly efficient, uh, Alex Fudge, who is just, uh, I think he's one of the most athletic players in college basketball, but you know, it didn't translate to the court. So it was, I, I don't know. I'm not too sold on it, you know, being a inability to evaluate more. So just misses, which they happen. It's, it's, it's part of the game. So you just have to make sure they hit on the ones coming in this season to really change that narrative there. Yeah. I think a big part of it also had to be like Todd Golden showed up and it was immediately like, all right, go build your roster really quickly. Yeah. And we kind of had to just <laughs> rush that along, but he did, absolutely annihilate the hit with Riley Kugel. How important is that for Todd Golden and this program to just have Kugel back for another year when obviously, I mean, there were rumors of, you know, maybe he transfers out, but my biggest fear was the NBA uh, calling his name. Yeah. He, he kind of shut down transfer rumors rather soon. And obviously there's, there's times where, you know, guys will say that and then they're in the transfer portal and they're going to the 
you know, the Dukes or the North Carolinas or the Kentuckys a few months later. But that wasn't the case with Kugel. I kind of had a feeling that he'd play into his loyalty there because uh, just call back to the time where he was being recruited. Obviously, Mississippi State went underwent some turnover. And you looked at his options. He had Georgia, Mississippi State, Florida, LSU. So, like, the teams that were coming and calling this season weren't in on him when they should have been in on him that offseason. He felt that he was kind of given an opportunity to operate underneath Todd Golden at Florida, and he wanted to live true to that as long as he was in college basketball. And now he's returning, and like you said, it's a huge, huge opportunity for Todd Golden to get a player of his caliber back and really build what he's wanting to build at the University of Florida. He's an elite shot creator. He's someone that is going to be a lottery pick if he performs at the level he did over the last 10 or so games last season, probably more, but 10 without Colin Castleton, where he was the number one guy. And so you're looking at this team and he is your face of the franchise. He's the guy you want, you know, being your leading scorer, your, you put all your eggs in his basket and let everyone else around him be complimentary to what he does on the court. So I think that getting him back is a huge step in the right direction. And it was the number one concern going into the offseason. They were able to accomplish that. So automatically, no matter what happens the rest of the way with the transfer portal, they, they that's a win. You you won the offseason because you got that guy back that could potentially be a top 15 player in the NCAA next season, if not better. Yeah, um, I can tell when watching Riley Kugel that he plays 2K. Uh, the amount of setbacks he shoots, he plays 2K. I could tell. Um, so one thing I will say, so I kind of equate him to uh, a Jordan Poole. It always looks like they're playing pickup basketball while they're playing in regulated basketball, and it can be really fun. Like like Jordan Poole looks like he's playing out at Rucker Park at every opportunity he gets. It's it's crazy to watch how you know they just play so loose, and it looks like they're just kind of out there having fun. They look like me last night at the local church that I was at, <laughs> just hooping. But uh, I just think this little things like that, I think those two are very similar in the way that they operate, just being so loose and and just hooping, dude. They're just playing basketball, and it works for both of them. So, it, uh, you know, at times, uh, at times for pool. But, you know, there's there's your ups and downs that come with that. But I do think that he is a – Kugel, at least, is a fun, fun basketball player for the University of Florida to have. He brings a lot of eyes, for that's for sure. Yeah, um, you don't want to see me play basketball. Let me let me just say that it, it it ain't pretty when I'm out there. It's like, and and not to bring up a specific player to insult him with this at all, but it's like when Myron Jones is off, that's me when I'm on. Like it, it's it's that bad. I'm just not talented here. But one more player to talk about before we start talking about the new additions, uh, Alex Fudge declared for the draft. You mentioned him as someone who you know, one of the most athletic guys in college basketball, but just didn't put it together on the court and kind of underperformed a bit. Were you shocked at all by his decision to declare? Yeah, I'm a little shocked at the point that, you know, he would leave uh, college. I, I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if he decided to leave Florida. Obviously, there's that transfer waiver that would have to come in, which he probably wouldn't get after being a one-time transfer last season. So it would kind of be a difficult process for him to get to play in. So I understand what wanting to just put your name in the fold, see where you fall within NBA scouts. He, I mean, he has the length, he has the athleticism, and he's shown to be able to kind of operate at a high level at times. He struggled to end last season after his concussion against Mississippi State. But, you know, there was times where it was like, okay, maybe he's starting to come along. So I understand the want to get into the NBA. Maybe he can find a G League spot and kind of work his way up from there. But 
I don't see there being much of a path to him getting drafted just because of the lack of production, the inconsistency shooting what, like 26% from three, which is not, not good. So it's just a kind of an uphill battle for him moving forward. But I do understand the point for both sides wanting to kind of get a fresh start there. So I feel like that was the best option for him moving forward with the circumstances that he was going to be dealing with if he tried to get back in the portal. Yeah. And obviously Florida had a lot of roster turnover following this season, whether it was losing guys to the NBA or the transfer portal um, or running out of eligibility, I guess is what we'll say for some, but how do you kind of feel about Todd Golden's job replacing that talent so far in the transfer portal? I think he's done a spectacular job. They've added a lot of length and size to this roster. I think that was something that was evidently lacking last season. They brought in, you know, obviously the two centers in Tyree Samuel and Mike, Micah Hanlogton. And they also have, you know, EJ Jarvis, who can kind of play that five spot if needed. He won't need to. He's going to be able to play the four and be just fine there. But they have athleticism, size, and obviously Walter Clayton Jr. is going to be a very fun uh, combo guard to be able to uh, – operate through at points next season. So you got a lot of pieces that you were missing last season, a lot of ability to, you know, crash the boards, play defense, find shots at any point necessary. Even when you're struggling, just setting up in your offense, you can just have multiple guys that can go get a bucket when they need a bucket. So I'm impressed with what Todd golden and company have been able to do, uh, especially in the front court. I think they need to add one, if not two more pieces in that, you know, one through three range, but uh, they have three scholarships available to do it. So there's they're not done in the portal uh, moving forward. Yeah, um, I will say that <laughs> it's very evident how just the general public and the media feel about Todd Golden's portal class this year compared to last year. Because, you know, last year it was like, oh, he's taking this guy who's like making a step up. We'll see how he translates. But I feel like with every ad, whether or not they're taking a step up, it's just like, oh, he, he absolutely nailed this one. Like, this is going to be a great piece, SEC player. Uh, so I, I think it's awesome to just see that stark difference immediately. But with those three scholarship spots, I mean, what do you think has been, or three scholarship spots remaining, what do you think has been maybe the biggest challenge so far and going forward, whether it's replacing Colin Castleton, who I love him. Uh, we're getting more versatile offensive players, more ball handlers. Yeah, I think I think they've done a good job replacing Castleton. They have Han Logton, who's kind of, you know, your defensive and rebounding center, who's continuing to work on his offensive game. I mean, he's you don't want him putting the ball on the floor too often, but if you get him down low, he's seven foot one, so he's going to be able to get a bucket at points. Um, Tyree Samuels, more of your offensive guy. So I think they've done a good job there with kind of finding two pieces to fill Castleton's void. Obviously Castleton is not a replaceable character. He's not someone that you just bring in another guy and you're like, all right, here we go. Unless they got Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, which wasn't going to happen. So we're just kind of having, you know, uh, a little bit of a time where Florida is looking to equip it, not only with talent that can replace the skill set that Castleton had in multiple you know, pieces, but they're also creating more depth along that uh, front court. But I think the biggest kind of, how did you word it? Uh, Just point of emphasis, I guess, moving for, you know, the biggest struggle or anything like that um, for this Florida team was uh, just finding a ball handler at the one. I think 
Walter Clayton is obviously a combo guard. He can play both spots, but he operated mostly at Iona as a two guard. He's, you know, your guy that you can kick out to him. He shot, you know, an incredible clip from uh, spot up threes last year. I think it was close to 50% from the floor whenever he had a spot up opportunity from beyond the arc. So you have little things like that that he's able to do. So if you get a primary ball handler that can kind of split duties with him as a, you know, 50-50 in terms of who brings the ball to the court, who operates as the one, you're going to have a dynamic backcourt uh, with two guys that can really get after it. And then you can place Riley Kugel at the three. You know, you can really mix and match who comes off the bench and have just a deep, deep team compared to last season where you had your starting five and then you had to really look down that bench. All right, who are we putting in right now? Because we don't really have anybody that can fill these voids out here on the floor. So it's definitely a uh, – it's still a work in progress, but uh, the the foundation laid is looking to be very, very talented and deep for this Florida team in 23-24. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to – I'm not going to ask you for like a record prediction or, or we're not going to go game by game here, but kind of what is, what are you expecting for the Florida Gators basketball team for the 2023, 24 season? Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously there's still room to go. I want to see how this roster is completely placed uh, before I, I get into a prediction in general, or, you know, just uh, my thoughts on the, the team. Uh, I think expectations, however, should be, they have to get back in the tournament. They have to have a good run enough to where they're able to, they were a bubble team for most of the, like most of the season this year. Uh, they lost to Vanderbilt and that kind of put them down. And then Colin Castleton gets injured and there goes their season. So they had, they were on the bubble for uh, a good while and they had an opportunity in a, in a road to get to the NCAA tournament. Obviously it didn't work out next year they need to be in the tournament and be in it comfortably in my opinion before March rolls around before they step into the SEC tournament maybe win a few games in the SEC tournament to really solidify themselves as a contender in March but i don't think you know i want to put like oh they're they're a you know second third weekend team cuz i'm not just not 100% sure about anything like that right now because i don't know what the roster looks like but the tournament has to be the goal moving forward that because that's where the University of Florida should be every season. They should always be in the tournament. And, the, you know, the past few seasons, they haven't lived up to that billing. So that's really my thoughts on what this team should be from an expectation standpoint going into next season. Thank you so much, Brandon. This was Brandon Carroll with All Gators. Catch him on Twitter at It's B Carroll. And you will see him more frequently on Locked on Gators.